Chapter Seventeen of Persuasion. While Sir Walter and Elizabeth were assiduously pushing their good fortune in Laura Place, Anne was renewing an acquaintance of a very different description. She had called on her former governess and had heard from her of there being an old schoolfellow in Bath who had the two strong claims on her attention of past kindness and present suffering. Miss Hamilton, now Mrs. Smith, had shown her kindness in one of those periods of her life when it had been most valuable and had gone unhappy to school grieving for the loss of a mother whom she had dearly loved feeling her separation from home and suffering as a girl of fourteen of strong sensibility and not high spirits must suffer at such a time and miss hamilton three years older than herself but still from the want of near relations and a settled home remaining another year at school had been useful and good to her in a way which had considerably lessened her misery and could never be remembered with indifference miss hamilton had left school had married not long afterwards was said to have married a man of fortune and this was all that anne had known of her till now that their governess account brought her situation forward in a more decided but very different form she was a widow and poor her husband had been extravagant and at his death about two years before had left his affairs dreadfully involved she had had difficulties of every sort to contend with and in addition to these distresses had been afflicted with a severe rheumatic fever which finally settled in her legs had made her for the present a cripple she had come to bath on that account and was now in lodgings near the hot baths living in a very humble way unable even to afford herself the comfort of a servant and of course almost excluded from society their mutual friend answered for the satisfaction which a visit from miss elliot would give mrs smith and anne therefore lost no time in going she mentioned nothing of what she had heard or what she intended at home it would excite no proper interest there she only consulted lady russell who entered thoroughly into her sentiments and was most happy to convey her as near to mrs smith's lodgings in westgate buildings as anne chose to be taken the visit was paid their acquaintance re-established their interest in each other more than rekindled the first ten minutes had its awkwardness and its emotion twelve years were gone since they had parted and each presented a somewhat different person from what the other had imagined twelve years had changed anne from the blooming silent unformed girl of fifteen to the elegant little woman of seven-and-twenty with every beauty except bloom and with manners as consciously right as they were invariably gentle and twelve years had transformed the fine-looking well-grown miss hamilton in all the glow of health and confidence of superiority into a poor infirm helpless widow receiving the visit of her former protege as a favor but all that was uncomfortable in the meeting had soon passed away and left only the interesting charm of remembering former partialities and talking over old times and found in mrs smith the good sense and agreeable manners which she had almost ventured to depend on and a disposition to converse and be cheerful beyond her expectation neither dissipations of the past and she had lived very much in the world nor the restrictions of the present neither sickness nor sorrow seemed to have closed her heart or ruined her spirits in the course of a second visit she talked with great openness and anne's astonishment increased she could scarcely imagine a more cheerless situation in itself than mrs smith's she had been very fond of her husband she had buried him she had been used to affluence it was gone 
she had no child to connect her with life and happiness again no relations to assist in the arrangement of perplexed affairs no health to make all the rest supportable her accommodations were limited to a noisy parlor and a dark bedroom behind with no possibility of moving from one to the other without assistance which there was only one servant in the house to afford and she never quitted the house but to be conveyed into the warm bath yet in spite of all this anne had reason to believe that she had moments only of languor and depression to hours of occupation and enjoyment how could it be she watched observed reflected and finally determined that this was not a case of fortitude or of resignation only a submissive spirit might be patient a strong understanding would supply resolution but there was something more here was that elasticity of mind that disposition to be comforted that power of turning rapidly from evil to good and of finding employment which carried her out of herself which was from nature alone it was the choicest gift of heaven and anne viewed her friend as one of those instances in which by a merciful appointment it seemed designed to counterbalance almost every other want there had been a time mrs smith told her when her spirits had nearly failed she could not call herself an invalid now compared with her state on her first reaching bath then she had indeed been a pitiable object for she had caught a cold on the journey and had hardly taken possession of her lodgings before she was again confined to her bed and suffering under severe and constant pain and all this among strangers with the absolute necessity of having a regular nurse and finances at that moment particularly unfit to meet any extraordinary expense she had weathered it however and could truly say that it had done her good it had increased her comforts by making her feel herself to be in good hands she had seen too much of the world to expect sudden or disinterested attachment anywhere but her illness had proved to her that her landlady had a character to preserve and would not use her ill and she had been particularly fortunate in her nurse as a sister of her landlady a nurse by profession and who had always a home in that house when unemployed chanced to be at liberty just in time to attend her and she said mrs smith besides nursing me most admirably has really proved an invaluable acquaintance as soon as i could use my hands she taught me to knit which has been a great amusement and she put me in the way of making these little thread cases pincushions and card racks which you always find me so busy about and which supply me with the means of doing a little good to one or two very poor families in this neighbourhood she had a large acquaintance of course professionally among those who can afford to buy and she disposes of my merchandise she always takes the right time for applying everybody's heart is open you know when they have recently escaped from severe pain or are recovering the blessing of health and nurse rook thoroughly understands when to speak she is a shrewd intelligent sensible woman hers is a line for seeing human nature and she has a fund of good sense and observation which as a companion make her infinitely superior to thousands of those who having only received the best education in the world know nothing worth attending to call it gossip if you will but when nurse rook has half an hour's leisure to bestow on me she is sure to have something to relate that is entertaining and profitable something that makes one know one species better one likes to hear what is going on to be all fate as to the newest modes of being trifling and silly to me who live so much alone her conversation i assure you is a treat and far from wishing to cavil at the pleasure replied i can easily believe it women of that class have great opportunities and if they are intelligent may be well worth listening to 
such varieties of human nature as they are in the habit of witnessing and it is not merely in its follies that they are well read for they see it occasionally under every circumstance that can be most interesting or affecting what instances must pass before them of ardent disinterested self-denying attachment of heroism fortitude patience resignation of all the conflicts and all the sacrifices that ennoble us most a sick chamber may often furnish the worth of volumes yes said mrs smith more doubtingly sometimes it may though i fear its lessons are not often in the elevated style you describe here and there human nature may be great in times of trial but generally speaking it is its weakness and not its strength that appears in a sick chamber it is selfishness and impatience rather than generosity and fortitude that one hears of there is so little real friendship in the world and unfortunately speaking low and tremulously there are so many who forget to think seriously till it is almost too late anne saw the misery of such feelings the husband had not been what he ought and the wife had been led among that part of mankind which made her think worse of the world than she hoped it deserved it was but a passing emotion however with mrs smith she shook it off and soon added in a different tone i do not suppose the situation my friend mrs rook is in at present will furnish much either to interest or edify me she is only nursing mrs wallace of marlborough buildings a mere pretty silly expensive fashionable woman i believe and of course will have nothing to report but of lace and finery i mean to make my profit of mrs wallace however she has plenty of money and i intend she shall buy all the high-priced things i have in hand now anne had called several times on her friend before the existence of such a person was known in camden place at last it became necessary to speak of her sir walter elizabeth and mrs clay returned one morning from laura place with a sudden invitation from lady dalrymple for the same evening and anne was already engaged to spend that evening in westgate buildings she was not sorry for the excuse they were only asked she was sure because lady dalrymple being kept at home by a bad cold was glad to make use of the relationship which had been so pressed on her and she declined on her own account with great alacrity she was engaged to spend the evening with an old schoolfellow they were not much interested in anything relative to anne but still there were questions enough asked to make it understood what this old schoolfellow was and elizabeth was disdainful and sir walter severe westgate buildings said he and who is miss anne elliot to be visiting in westgate buildings a mrs smith a widow mrs smith and who was her husband one of five thousand mr smiths whose names are to be met with everywhere and what is her attraction that she is old and sickly upon my word miss anne elliot you have the most extraordinary taste everything that revolts other people low company poultry rooms foul air disgusting associations are inviting to you but surely you may put off this old lady till to-morrow she is not so near her end i presume that she may hope to see another day what is her age forty no sir she is not one and thirty but i do not think i can put off my engagement because it is the only evening for some time which will at once suit her and myself she goes into the warm bath to-morrow and for the rest of the week you know we are engaged but what does lady russell think of this acquaintance asked elizabeth she sees nothing to blame in it replied anne on the contrary she approves it and has generally taken me when i have called on mrs smith westgate buildings must have been rather surprised by the appearance of a carriage drawn up near its pavement observed sir walter 
sir henry russell's widow indeed has no honours to distinguish her arms but still it is a handsome equipage and no doubt is well known to convey a miss elliot a widow mrs smith lodging in westgate buildings a poor widow barely able to live between thirty and forty a mere mrs smith an everyday mrs smith of all people and all names in the world to be the chosen friend of miss anne elliot and to be preferred by her to her own family connections among the nobility of england and ireland mrs smith such a name mrs clay who had been present while all this passed now thought it advisable to leave the room and anne could have said much and did long to say a little in defence of her friend's not very dissimilar claims to theirs but her sense of personal respect to her father prevented her she made no reply she left it to himself to recollect that mrs smith was not the only widow in bath between thirty and forty with little to live on and no surname of dignity anne kept her appointment the others kept theirs and of course she heard the next morning that they had had a delightful evening she had been the only one of the set absent for sir walter and elizabeth had not only been quite at her ladyship's service themselves but had actually been happy to be employed by her in collecting others and had been at the trouble of inviting both lady russell and mr elliot and mr elliot had made a point of leaving colonel wallace early and lady russell had fresh arranged all her evening engagements in order to wait on her and had the whole history of all that such an evening could supply from lady russell to her its greatest interest must be in having been very much talked of between her friend and mr elliot in having been wished for regretted and at the same time honoured for staying away in such a cause her kind compassionate visits to this old schoolfellow sick and reduced seemed to have quite delighted mr elliot he thought her a most extraordinary young woman in her temper manners mind a model female excellence he could meet even lady russell in a discussion of her merits and anne could not be given to understand so much by her friend could not know herself to be so highly rated by a sensible man without many of those agreeable sensations which her friend meant to create lady russell was now perfectly decided in her opinion of mr elliot she was as much convinced of his meaning to gain anne in time as of his deserving her and was beginning to calculate the number of weeks which would free him from all the remaining restraints of widowhood and leave him at liberty to exert his most open powers of pleasing she would not speak to anne with half the certainty she felt on the subject she would venture on little more than hints of what might be hereafter of a possible attachment on his side of the desirableness of the alliance supposing such attachment to be real and returned anne heard her and made no violent exclamations she only smiled blushed and gently shook her head i am no matchmaker as you well know said lady russell being much too well aware of the uncertainty of all human events and calculations i only mean that if mr elliot should some time hence pay his addresses to you and if you should be disposed to accept him i think there would be every possibility of your being happy together a most suitable connection everybody must consider it but i think it might be a very happy one mr elliot is an exceedingly agreeable man and in many respects i think highly of him said anne but we should not suit lady russell let this pass and only said in rejoinder i own that to be able to regard you as the future mistress of kellynich the future lady elliot to look forward and see you occupying your dear mother's place succeeding to all her rights and all her popularity as well as to all her virtues would be the highest possible gratification to me 
you are your mother's self in countenance and disposition and if i might be allowed to fancy you are as she was in situation and name and home presiding and blessing in the same spot and only superior to her in being more highly valued my dearest anne it would give me more delight than is often felt at my time of life anne was obliged to turn away to rise to walk to a distant table and leaning there in pretended enjoyment try to subdue the feelings this picture excited for a few moments her imagination and her heart were bewitched the idea of becoming what her mother had been of having the precious name of lady elliot first revived in herself of being restored to kellynich calling it her home again her home for ever was a charm which she could not immediately resist lady russell said not another word willing to leave the matter to its own operation and believing that could mr elliot at that moment with propriety have spoken for himself she believed in short what anne did not believe the same image of mr elliot speaking for himself brought anne to composure again the charm of kellynich and of lady elliot all faded away she never could accept him and it was not only that her feelings were still adverse to any man save one her judgment on a serious consideration of the possibilities of such a case was against mr elliot though they had now been acquainted a month she could not be satisfied that she really knew his character that he was a sensible man an agreeable man that he talked well professed good opinions seemed to judge properly and as a man of principle this was all clear enough he certainly knew what was right nor could she fix on any one article of moral duty evidently transgressed but yet she would have been afraid to answer for his conduct she distrusted the past if not the present the names which occasionally dropped of former associates the allusions to former practices and pursuits suggested suspicions not favourable of what he had been she saw that there had been bad habits that sunday travelling had been a common thing that there had been a period of his life and probably not a short one when he had been at least careless in all serious matters and though he might now think very differently who could answer for the true sentiments of a clever cautious man grown old enough to appreciate a fair character how could it ever be ascertained that his mind was truly cleansed mr elliot was rational discreet polished but he was not open there was never any burst of feeling any warmth of indignation or delight at the evil or good of others this to anne was a decided imperfection her early impressions were incurable she prized the frank the open-hearted the eager character beyond all others warmth and enthusiasm did captivate her still she felt that she could so much more depend upon the sincerity of those who sometimes looked or said a careless or a hasty thing than of those whose presence of mind never varied whose tongue never slipped mr elliot was too generally agreeable various as were the tempers in her father's house he pleased them all he endured too well stood too well with everybody he had spoken to her with some degree of openness of mrs clay had appeared completely to see what mrs clay was about and to hold her in contempt and yet mrs clay found him as agreeable as anybody lady russell saw either less or more than her young friend for she saw nothing to excite distrust she could not imagine a man more exactly what he ought to be than mr elliot nor did she ever enjoy a sweeter feeling than the hope of seeing him receive the hand of her beloved anne in kellynich church in the course of the following autumn End of chapter seventeen chapter eighteen of persuasion 
it was the beginning of february and anne having been a month in bath was growing very eager for news from uppercross and lyme she wanted to hear much more than mary had communicated it was three weeks since she had heard at all she only knew that henrietta was at home again and that louisa though considered to be recovering fast was still in lyme and she was thinking of them all very intently one evening when a thicker letter than usual from mary was delivered to her and to quicken the pleasure and surprise with admiral and mrs croft's compliments the crofts must be in bath a circumstance to interest her they were people whom her heart turned to very naturally what is this cried sir walter the crofts have arrived in bath the crofts who rent kellynich what have they brought you a letter from uppercross cottage sir oh those letters are convenient passports they secure an introduction i should have visited admiral croft however at any rate i know what is due to my tenant anne could listen no longer she could not even have told how the poor admiral's complexion escaped her letter engrossed her it had been begun several days back february first my dear anne i make no apology for my silence because i know how little people think of letters in such a place as bath you must be a great deal too happy to care for uppercross which as you well know affords little to write about we have had a very dull christmas mr and mrs musgrove have not had one dinner party all the holidays i do not reckon the haters as anybody the holidays however are over at last i believe no children ever had such long ones i am sure i had not the house was cleared yesterday except for the little harvilles but you will be surprised to hear they have never gone home mrs harville must be an odd mother to part with them so long i do not understand it they are not at all nice children in my opinion but mrs musgrove seems to like them quite as well if not better than her grandchildren what dreadful weather we have had it may not be felt in bath with your nice pavements but in the country it is of some consequence i have not had a creature call on me since the second week in january except charles hayter who had been calling much softener than was welcome between ourselves i think it's a great pity henrietta did not remain at lyme as long as louisa it would have kept her a little out of his way the carriage is gone to-day to bring louisa and the harvilles to-morrow we are not asked to dine with them however till the day after mrs musgrove is so afraid of her being fatigued by the journey which is not very likely considering the care that will be taken of her and it would be much more convenient to me to dine there to-morrow i am glad you find mr elliot so agreeable and wish i could be acquainted with him too but i have my usual luck i am always out of the way when anything desirable is going on always the last of my family to be noticed what an immense time mrs clay has been staying with elizabeth does she never mean to go away but perhaps if she were to leave the room vacant we might not be invited let me know what you think of this i do not expect my children to be asked you know i can leave them at the great house very well for a month or six weeks i have this moment heard that the crofts are going to bath almost immediately they think the admiral gouty charles heard it quite by chance they have not had the civility to give me any notice or of offering to take anything i do not think they improve at all as neighbors we see nothing of them and this is really an instance of gross inattention charles joins me in love and everything proper yours affectionately mary m i am sorry to say that i am very far from well and jemna has just told me that the butcher says there is a bad sore throat very much about i dare say i shall catch it and my sore throats you know are always worse than anybody's 
so ended the first part which had been afterwards put into an envelope containing nearly as much more i kept my letter open that i might send you word how louisa bore her journey and now i am extremely glad i did having a great deal to add in the first place i had a note from mrs croft yesterday offering to convey anything to you a very kind friendly note indeed addressed to me just as it ought i shall therefore be able to make my letter as long as i like the admiral does not seem very ill and i sincerely hope bath will do him all the good he wants i shall be truly glad to have them back again our neighbourhood cannot spare such a pleasant family but now for louisa i have something to communicate that will astonish you not a little she and the harvilles came on tuesday very safely and in the evening we went to ask her how she did when we were rather surprised not to find captain benwick of the party for he had been invited as well as the harvilles and what do you think was the reason neither more nor less than his being in love with louisa and not choosing to venture to uppercross till he had had an answer from mr musgrove for it was all settled between him and her before she came away and he had written to her father by captain harville true upon my honour are you not astonished i shall be surprised at least if you ever received a hint of it for i never did mrs musgrove protests solemnly that she knew nothing of the matter we are all very well pleased however for though it is not equal to her marrying captain wentworth it is infinitely better than charles hayter and mr musgrove has written his consent and captain benwick is expected to-day mrs harville says her husband feels a good deal on his poor sister's account but however louisa is a great favourite with both indeed mrs harville and i quite agree that we love her the better for having nursed her charles wonders what captain wentworth will say but if you remember i never thought him attached to louisa i never could see anything of it and this is the end you see of captain benwick's being supposed to be an admirer of yours how charles could take such a thing into his head was always incomprehensible to me i hope he will be more agreeable now certainly not a great match for louisa musgrove but a million times better than marrying among the haters mary need not have feared her sister's being in any degree prepared for the news she had never in her life been more astonished captain benwick and louisa musgrove it was almost too wonderful for belief and it was with the greatest effort that she could remain in the room preserve an air of calmness and answer the common questions of the moment happily for her they were not many sir walter wanted to know whether the crofts travelled with four horses and whether they were likely to be situated in such a part of bath as might suit miss elliot and himself to visit in but had little curiosity beyond how is mary said elizabeth without waiting for an answer and pray what brings the crofts to bath they come on the admiral's account he is thought to be gouty gout and decrepitude said sir walter poor old gentleman have they any acquaintance here asked elizabeth i do not know but i can hardly suppose that at admiral croft's time of life and in his profession he should not have many acquaintance in such a place as this i suspect said sir walter coolly that admiral croft will be best known in bath as the renter of kellynidge hall elizabeth may we venture to present him and his wife in laura place oh no i think not situated as we are with lady dollarwimple cousins we ought to be very careful not to embarrass her with an acquaintance she might not approve if we were not related it would not signify but as cousins she would feel scrupulous as to any proposal of ours we had better leave the crofts to find their own level there are several odd-looking men walking about here who i am told are sailors the crofts will associate with them this was sir walter and elizabeth's share of interest in the letter 
when mrs clay had paid her tribute of more decent attention in an inquiry after mrs charles musgrove and her fine little boys anne was at liberty in her own room she tried to comprehend it well might charles wonder how captain wentworth would feel perhaps he had quitted the field had given louisa up had ceased to love had found he did not love her she could not endure the idea of treachery or levity or anything akin to ill-usage between him and his friend she could not endure that such a friendship as theirs could be severed unfairly captain benwick and louisa musgrove the high-spirited joyous talking louisa musgrove and the dejected thinking feeling reading captain benwick seemed to each of them everything that would not suit the other their minds most dissimilar where could there have been the attraction the answer soon presented itself it had been in situation they had been thrown together several weeks they had been living in the same small family party since henrietta's coming away they must have been depending almost entirely on each other and louisa just recovering from illness had been in the interesting state and captain benwick was not inconsolable that was a point which anne had not been able to avoid suspecting before and instead of drawing the same conclusion as mary from the present course of events they served only to confirm the idea of his having felt some dawning of tenderness towards herself she did not mean however to derive much more from it to gratify her vanity than mary might have allowed she was persuaded that any tolerably pleasing young woman who had listened and seemed to feel for him would would have received the same compliment he had an affectionate heart he must love somebody she saw no reason against their being happy louisa had fine naval fervour to begin with and they would soon grow more alike he would gain cheerfulness and she would learn to be an enthusiast for scott and lord bryan nay that was probably learnt already of course they had fallen in love over poetry the idea of louisa musgrove turned into a person of literary taste and sentimental reflection was amusing but she had no doubt of its being so the day at lyme the fall from the cob might influence her health her nerves her courage her character to the end of her life as thoroughly as it appeared to have influenced her fate the conclusion of the whole was that if the woman who had been sensible of captain wentworth's merits could be allowed to prefer another man there was nothing in the engagement to excite lasting wonder and if captain wentworth lost no friend by it certainly nothing to be regretted no it was not regret which made anne's heart beat in spite of herself and brought the colour into her cheeks when she thought of captain wentworth unshackled and free she had some feelings which she was ashamed to investigate they were too much like joy senseless joy she longed to see the crofts but when the meeting took place it was evident that no rumour of the news had yet reached them the visit of ceremony was paid and returned and louisa musgrove was mentioned and captain benwick too without even half a smile the crofts had placed themselves in lodgings in gay street perfectly to sir walter's satisfaction he was not at all ashamed of the acquaintance and did in fact think and talk a great deal more about the admiral than the admiral ever thought or talked about him the crofts knew quite as many people in bath as they wished for and considered their intercourse with the elliots as a mere matter of form and not in the least likely to afford them any pleasure they brought with them their country habit of being almost always together he was ordered to walk to keep off the gout and mrs croft seemed to go shares with him in everything and to walk for her life to do him good anne saw them wherever she went lady russell took her out in her carriage almost every morning 
and she never failed to think of them and never failed to see them knowing their feelings as she did it was a most attractive picture of happiness to her she always watched them as long as she could delighted to fancy she understood what they might be talking of as they walked along in happy independence or equally delighted to see the admiral's hearty shake of the hand when he encountered an old friend and observed their eagerness of conversation when occasionally forming into a little knot of the navy mrs croft looking as intelligent and keen as any of the officers around her anne was too much engaged with lady russell to be often walking herself but it so happened that one morning about a week or ten days after the croft's arrival it suited her best to leave her friend or her friend's carriage in the lower part of the town and return alone to camden place and in walking up milsom street she had the good fortune to meet with the admiral he was standing by himself at a print-shop window with his hands behind him in earnest contemplation of some print and she not only might have passed him unseen but was obliged to touch as well as address him before she could catch his notice when he did perceive and acknowledge her however it was done with all his usual frankness and good-humour ha it is you thank you thank you this is treating me like a friend here i am you see staring at a picture i can never get by this shop without stopping but what a thing here is by way of a boat do you look at it did you ever see the like what queer fellows your fine painters must be to think that anybody would venture their lives in such a shapeless old cockle-shell as that and yet here are two gentlemen stuck up in it mightily at their ease and looking about them at the rocks and mountains as if they were not to be upset the next moment which they certainly must be i wonder where that boat was built laughing heartily i would not venture over a horse-pond in it well turning away now where are you bound can i go anywhere for you or with you can i be of any use none thank you unless you will give me the pleasure of your company the little way our road lies together i am going home that i will with all my heart and farther too yes yes we will have a snug walk together and i have something to tell you as we go along there take my arm that's right i do not feel comfortable if i have not a woman there lord what a boat it is taking a last look at the picture as they began to be in motion did you say that you had something to tell me sir yes i have presently but here comes a friend captain brigden i shall only say how do you do as we pass however i shall not stop how do you do brigden stares to see anybody with me but my wife she poor soul is tied by the leg she has a blister on one of her heels as large as a three shilling piece if you look across the street you will see admiral brand coming down and his brother shabby fellows both of them i am glad they are not on this side of the street sophie cannot bear them they played me a pitiful trick once got away with some of my best men i will tell you the whole story another time there comes old sir archibald drew and his grandson look he sees us he kisses his hand to you he takes you for my wife ah the peace has come too soon for that younker poor old sir archibald how do you like bath miss elliot it suits us very well we are always meeting with some old friend or other the streets full of them every morning sure to have plenty of chat and then we get away from them all and shut ourselves in our lodgings and draw in our chairs and are as snug as if we were at kellynitch ay or as we used to be even at north yarmouth and deal we do not like our lodgings here the worse i can tell you for putting us in mind of those we first had at north yarmouth the wind blows through one of the cupboards just in the same way when they were got a little farther 
and ventured to press again for what he had to communicate she hoped when clear of Milsom street to have her curiosity gratified but she was still obliged to wait for the admiral had made up his mind not to begin till they had gained the greater space and quiet of belmont and as she was not really mrs croft she must let him have his own way as soon as they were fairly ascending belmont he began well now you shall hear something that will surprise you but first of all you must tell me the name of the young lady i am going to talk about that young lady you know that we have all been so concerned for the miss musgrove and all this has been happening to her christian name i always forget her christian name anne had been ashamed to appear to comprehend so soon as she really did but now she could safely suggest the name of louisa ay ay miss louisa musgrove that is the name i wish young ladies had not such a number of fine christian names i should never be out if they were all sophies or something of that sort well this miss louisa we all thought you know was to marry frederick he was courting her week after week the only wonder was what they could be waiting for till the business at lyme came then indeed it was clear enough that they must wait till her brain was set to right but even then there was something odd in their way of going on instead of staying at lyme he went off to plymouth and then he went off to see edward when he came back from minehead he was gone down to edward's and there he has been ever since we have seen nothing of him since november even sophie could not understand it but now the matter has taken the strangest turn of all for this young lady the same miss musgrove instead of being to marry frederick is to marry james benwick you know james benwick a little i am a little acquainted with captain benwick well she is to marry him nay most likely they are married already for i do not know what they should wait for i thought captain benwick a very pleasing young man said anne and i understand that he bears an excellent character oh yes yes there is not a word to be said against james benwick he is only a commander it is true made last summer and these are bad times for getting on but he has not another fault that i know of an excellent good-hearted fellow i assure you a very active zealous officer too which is more than you would think for perhaps for that soft sort of manner does not do him justice indeed you are mistaken there sir i should never argue want of spirit from captain benwick's manners i thought them particularly pleasing and i will answer for it they would generally please well well ladies are the best judges but james benwick is rather too piano for me and though very likely it is all our partiality sophie and i cannot help thinking frederick's manners better than his there is something about frederick more to our taste anne was caught she had only meant to oppose the too common idea of spirit and gentleness being incompatible with each other not at all to represent captain benwick's manners as the very best that could possibly be and after a little hesitation she was beginning to say i was not entering into any comparison of the two friends but the admiral interrupted her with and the thing is certainly true it is not a mere bit of gossip we have it from frederick himself his sister had a letter from him yesterday in which he tells us of it and he had just had it in a letter from harville written upon the spot from uppercross i fancy they are all at uppercross this was an opportunity which anne could not resist she said therefore i hope admiral i hope there is nothing in the style of captain wentworth's letter to make you and mrs croft particularly uneasy it did seem last autumn as if there were an attachment between him and louisa musgrove but i hope it may be understood to have worn out on each side equally and without violence i hope his letter does not breathe the spirit of an ill-used man not at all not at all there is not an oath or a murmur from beginning to end 
Anne looked down to hide her smile. No, no, Frederick is not a man to whine and complain. He has too much spirit for that. If the girl likes another man better, it is very fit she should have him. Certainly, but what I mean is that I hope there is nothing in Captain Wentworth's manner of writing to make you suppose he thinks himself ill-used by his friend, which might appear, you know, without its being absolutely said. I should be very sorry that it, such a friendship as has subsisted between him and Captain Benwick should be destroyed or even wounded by a circumstance of this sort. Yes, yes, I understand you, but there is nothing at all of that nature in the letter. He does not give the least fling at Benwick, does not so much as say I wonder at it, I have a reason of my own for wondering at it. No, you would not guess from his way of writing that he had ever thought of this Miss what's her name for himself he very handsomely hopes they will be happy together and there is nothing very unforgiving in that i think anne did not receive the perfect conviction which the admiral meant to convey but it would have been useless to press the inquiry farther she therefore satisfied herself with commonplace remarks or quiet attention and the admiral had it in his own way poor frederick said he at last now we must begin all over again with somebody else i think we must get him to bath sophie must write and beg him to come to bath here are pretty girls enough i am sure it would be of no use to go to uppercross again for that other miss musgrove i find is bespoke by her cousin the young parson do you not think miss elliot we had better try to get him to bath End of chapter eighteen chapter nineteen of persuasion while admiral croft was taking this walk with anne and expressing his wish of getting captain wentworth to bath captain wentworth was already on his way thither before mrs croft had written he was arrived and the very next time anne walked out she saw him mr elliot was attending his two cousins and mrs clay they were in milsom street it began to rain not much but enough to make shelter desirable for women and quite enough to make it very desirable for miss elliot to have the advantage of being conveyed home in lady dolly rumpel's carriage which was seen waiting at a little distance she anne and mrs clay therefore turned into molens while mr elliot stepped to lady dalrymple to request her assistance he soon joined them again successful of course lady dalrymple would be most happy to take them home and would call for them in a few minutes her ladyship's carriage was a broche and did not hold more than four with any comfort miss carteret was with her mother consequently it was not reasonable to expect accommodation for all the three camden place ladies there could be no doubt as to miss elliot whoever suffered inconvenience she must suffer none but it occupied a little time to settle the point of civility between the other two the rain was a mere trifle and anne was most sincere in her preferring a walk with mr elliot but the rain was also a mere trifle to mrs clay she would hardly allow it even to drop at all and her boots were so thick much thicker than miss anne's and in short her civility rendered her quite as anxious to be left to walk with mr elliot as anne could be and it was discussed between them with a generosity so polite and so determined that the others were obliged to settle it for them miss elliot maintaining that mrs clay had a little cold already and mr elliot deciding on appeal that his cousin anne's boots were rather the thickest it was fixed accordingly that mrs clay should be of the party in the carriage and they had just reached this point when anne as she sat near the window descried most decidedly and distinctly captain wentworth walking down the street 
her start was perceptible only to herself but she instantly felt that she was the greatest simpleton in the world the most unaccountable and observed for a few minutes she saw nothing before her it was all confusion she was lost and when she had scolded back her senses she found the others still waiting for the carriage and mr elliot always obliging just setting off for union street on a commission of mrs clay's she now felt a great inclination to go to the outer door she wanted to see if it rained why was she to suspect herself of another motive captain wentworth must be out of sight she left her seat she would go one half of her should not be always so much wiser than the other half or always suspecting the other of being worse than it was she would see if it rained she was sent back however in a moment by the entrance of captain wentworth himself among a party of gentlemen and ladies evidently his acquaintance and whom he must have joined a little below milsom street he was more obviously struck and confused by the sight of her than she had ever observed before he looked quite red for the first time since the renewed acquaintance she felt that she was betraying the least sensibility of the two she had the advantage of him in the preparation of the last few moments all the overpowering blinding bewildering first effects of strong surprise were over with her still however she had enough to feel it was agitation pain pleasure a something between delight and misery he spoke to her and then turned away the character of his manner was embarrassment she could not have called it either cold or unfriendly or anything so certainly as embarrassed after a short interval however he came towards her and spoke again mutual inquiries on common subjects passed neither of them probably much the wiser for what they heard and anne continuing fully sensible of his being less at ease than formerly they had by dint of being so very much together got to speak to each other with a considerable portion of apparent indifference and calmness but he could not do it now time had changed him or louisa had changed him there was consciousness of some sort or other he looked very well not as if he had been suffering in health or spirits and he talked of uppercross of the musgroves nay even of louisa and had even a momentary look of his own arch significance as he named her but yet it was captain wentworth not comfortable not easy not able to feign what he was it did not surprise but it grieved anne to observe that elizabeth would not know him she saw that he saw elizabeth that elizabeth saw him that there was complete internal recognition on each side she was convinced that he was ready to be acknowledged as an acquaintance expecting it and she had the pain of seeing her sister turn away with unalterable coldness lady dalrymple's carriage for which miss elliot was growing very impatient now drew up the servant came in to announce it it was beginning to rain again and altogether there was a delay and a bustle and a talking which must make all the little crowd in the shop understand that lady dalrymple was calling to convey miss elliot at last miss elliot and her friend unattended but by the servant for there was no cousin returned were walking off and captain wentworth watching them turned again to anne and by manner rather than words was offering his services to her i am much obliged to you was her answer but i am not going with them the carriage would not accommodate so many i walk i prefer walking but it rains oh very little nothing that i regard after a moment's pause he said though i came only yesterday i have equipped myself properly for bath already you see pointing to a new umbrella i wish you would make use of it if you are determined to walk though i think it would be more prudent to let me get you a chair she was very much obliged to him but declined it all repeating her conviction that the rain would come to nothing at present and adding i am only waiting for mr elliot he will be here in a moment i'm sure 
she had hardly spoken the words when mr elliot walked in captain wentworth recollected him perfectly there was no difference between him and the man who had stood on the steps at lyme admiring anne as she passed except in the air and look and manner of the privileged relation and friend he came in with eagerness appeared to see and think only of her apologized for his stay was grieved to have kept her waiting and anxious to get her away without further loss of time and before the rain increased and in another moment they walked off together her arm under his a gentle and embarrassed glance and a good morning to you being all that she had time for as she passed away as soon as they were out of sight the ladies of captain wentworth's party began talking of them mr elliot does not dislike his cousin i fancy oh no that is clear enough one can guess what will happen there he is always with them half lives in the family i believe what a very good-looking man yes and miss atkinson who dined with him once at the wallaces said that he is the most agreeable man she ever was in company with she is pretty i think and elliot very pretty when one comes to look at her it is not the fashion to say so but i confess i admire her more than her sister oh so do i and so do i no comparison but the men are all wild after miss elliot anne is too delicate for them anne would have been particularly obliged to her cousin if he would have walked by her side all the way to camden place without saying a word she had never found it so difficult to listen to him though nothing could exceed his solicitude and care and though his subjects were principally such as were wont to be always interesting praise warm just and discriminating of lady russell and insinuations highly rational against mrs clay but just now she could think only of captain wentworth she could not understand his present feelings whether he were really suffering much from disappointment or not and till that point were settled she could not be quite herself she hoped to be wise and reasonable in time but alas alas she must confess to herself that she was not wise yet another circumstance very essential for her to know was how long he meant to be in bath he had not mentioned it or she could not recollect it he might be only passing through but it was more probable that he should be come to stay in that case so liable as everybody was to meet everybody in bath lady russell would in all likelihood see him somewhere would she recollect him how would it all be she had already been obliged to tell lady russell that louisa musgrove was to marry captain benwick it had cost her something to encounter lady russell's surprise and now if she were by any chance to be thrown into company with captain wentworth her imperfect knowledge of the matter might add another shade of prejudice against him the following morning anne was out with her friend and for the first hour in an incessant and fearful sort of watch for him in vain but at last in returning down pulteney street she distinguished him on the right-hand pavement at such a distance as to have him in view the greater part of the street there were many other men about him many groups walking the same way but there was no mistaking him she looked instinctively at lady russell but not from any mad idea of her recognizing him so soon as she did herself no it was not to be supposed that lady russell would perceive him till they were nearly opposite she looked at her however from time to time anxiously and when the moment approached which must point him out though not daring to look again for her own countenance she knew was unfit to be seen she was yet perfectly conscious of lady russell's eyes being turned exactly in the direction for him of her being in short intently observing him she could thoroughly comprehend the sort of fascination he must possess over lady russell's mind 
the difficulty it must be for her to withdraw her eyes the astonishment she must be feeling that eight or nine years should have passed over him and in foreign climes and in active service too without robbing him of one personal grace at last lady russell drew back her head now how would she speak of him you will wonder said she what has been fixing my eye so long but i was looking after some window curtains which lady alicia and mrs franklin were telling me of last night they described the drawing-room window curtains of one of the houses on this side of the way and this part of the street as being the handsomest and best hung of any in bath but could not recollect the exact number and i have been trying to find out which it could be but i confess i can see no curtains hereabouts that answer their description anne sighed and blushed and smiled in pity and disdain either at her friend or herself the part which provoked her most was that in all this waste of foresight and caution she should have lost the right moment of seeing whether he saw them a day or two passed without producing anything the theatre or the rooms where he was most likely to be were not fashionable enough for the elliots whose evening amusements were solely in the elegant stupidity of private parties in which they were getting more and more engaged and anne wearied of such a state of stagnation sick of knowing nothing and fancying herself stronger because her strength was not tried was quite impatient for the concert evening it was a concert for the benefit of a person patronized by lady dalrymple of course they must attend it was really expected to be a good one and captain wentworth was very fond of music if she could only have a few minutes conversation with him again she fancied she should be satisfied and as to the power of addressing him she felt all over courage if the opportunity occurred elizabeth had turned from him lady russell overlooked him her nerves were strengthened by these circumstances she felt that she owed him attention she had once partly promised mrs smith to spend the evening with her but in a short hurried call she excused herself and put it off with the more decided promise of a longer visit on the morrow mrs smith gave a most good-humoured acquiescence by all means said she only tell me all about it when you do come who is your party anne named them all mrs smith made no reply but when she was leaving her said and with an expression half serious half arch well i heartily wish your concert may answer and do not fail me to-morrow if you can come for i begin to have a foreboding that i may not have many more visits from you anne was startled and confused but after standing in a moment's suspense was obliged and not sorry to be obliged to hurry away end of chapter nineteen chapter twenty of persuasion sir walter his two daughters and mrs clay were the earliest of all their party at the rooms in the evening and as lady dalrymple must be waited for they took their station by one of the fires in the octagon room but hardly were they so settled when the door opened again and captain wentworth walked in alone anne was the nearest to him and making yet a little advance she instantly spoke he was preparing only to bow and pass on but her gentle how do you do brought him out of the straight line to stand near her and make inquiries in return in spite of the formidable father and sister in the background their being in the background was a support to anne she knew nothing of their looks and felt equal to everything which she believed right to be done while they were speaking a whispering between her father and elizabeth caught her ear she could not distinguish but she must guess the subject and on captain wentworth's making a distant bow she comprehended that her father had judged so well as to give him that simple acknowledgment of acquaintance 
and she was just in time by a side glance to see a slight curtsy from elizabeth herself this though late and reluctant and ungracious was yet better than nothing and her spirits improved after talking however of the weather and bath and the concert their conversation began to flag and so little was said at last that she was expecting him to go every moment but he did not he seemed in no hurry to leave her and presently with renewed spirit with a little smile a little glow he said i have hardly seen you since our day at lyme i am afraid you must have suffered from the shock and more from its not overpowering you at the time she assured him that she had not it was a frightful hour said he a frightful day and he passed his hand across his eyes as if the remembrance was still too painful but in a moment half smiling again added the day has produced some effects however has had some consequences which must be considered as the very reverse of frightful when you had the presence of mind to suggest that benwick would be the properest person to fetch a surgeon you could have little idea of his being eventually one of those most concerned in her recovery certainly i could have none but it appears i should hope it would be a very happy match there are on both sides good principles and good temper yes said he looking not exactly forward but there i think ends the resemblance with all my soul i wish them happy and rejoice over every circumstance in favour of it they have no difficulties to contend with at home no opposition no caprice no delays the musgroves are behaving like themselves most honourably and kindly only anxious with true parental hearts to promote their daughter's comfort all this is much very much in favour of their happiness more than perhaps he stopped a sudden recollection seemed to occur and to give him some taste of that emotion which was reddening anne's cheeks and fixing her eyes on the ground after clearing his throat however he proceeded thus i confess i do think there is a disparity too great a disparity and in a point no less essential than mine i regard louisa musgrove as a very admirable sweet-tempered girl and not deficient in understanding but benwick is something more he is a clever man a reading man and i confess that i do consider his attaching himself to her with some surprise had it been the effect of gratitude had he learnt to love her because he believed her to be preferring him it would have been another thing but i have no reason to suppose it so it seems on the contrary to have been a perfectly spontaneous untaught feeling on his side and this surprises me a man like him in his situation with a heart pierced wounded almost broken fanny harville was a very superior creature and his attachment to her was indeed attachment a man does not recover from such a devotion of the heart to such a woman he ought not he does not either from the consciousness however that his friend had recovered or from other consciousness he went no farther and anne who in spite of the agitated voice in which the latter part had been uttered and in spite of all the various noises of the room the almost ceaseless slam of the door and ceaseless buzz of persons walking through had distinguished every word was struck gratified confused and beginning to breathe very quick and feel an hundred things in a moment it was impossible for her to enter on such a subject and yet after a pause feeling the necessity of speaking and having not the smallest wish for a total change she only deviated so far as to say you were a good while at lyme i think about a fortnight i could not leave it till louisa's doing well was quite ascertained i had been too deeply concerned in the mischief to be soon at peace and had been my doing solely mine she would not have been obstinate if i had not been weak 
the country round lyme is very fine i walked and rode a great deal and the more i saw the more i found to admire i should very much like to see lyme again said anne indeed i should not have supposed that you could have found anything in lyme to inspire such a feeling the horror and distress you were involved in the stretch of mind the wear of spirits i should have thought your last impressions of lyme must have been strong disgust the last hours were certainly very painful replied anne but when pain is over the remembrance of it often becomes a pleasure one does not love a place the less for having suffered in it unless it has been all suffering nothing but suffering which was by no means the case at lyme we were only in anxiety and distress during the last two hours and previously there had been a great deal of enjoyment so much novelty and beauty i have travelled so little that every fresh place would be interesting to me but there is real beauty at lyme and in short with a faint blush at some recollections altogether my impressions of the place are very agreeable as she ceased the entrance door opened again and the very party appeared for whom they were waiting lady dollywimple lady dollywimple was the rejoicing sound and with all the eagerness compatible with anxious elegance sir walter and his two ladies stepped forward to meet her lady dollywimple and miss carteret escorted by mr elliot and colonel wallace who had happened to arrive nearly at the same instant advanced into the room the others joined them and it was a group in which anne found herself also necessarily included she was divided from captain wentworth their interesting almost too interesting conversation must be broken up for a time but slight was the penance compared with the happiness which brought it on she had learnt in the last ten minutes more of his feelings towards louisa more of his feelings than she dared to think of and she gave herself up to the demands of the party to the needful civilities of the moment with exquisite though agitated sensations she was in good humour with all she had received ideas which disposed her to be courteous and kind to all and to pity every one as being less happy than herself the delightful emotions were a little subdued when on stepping back from the group to be joined again by captain wentworth she saw that he was gone she was just in time to see him turn into the concert-room he was gone he had disappeared she felt a moment's regret but they should meet again he would look for her he would find her out before the evening were over and at present perhaps it was as well to be asunder she was in need of a little interval for recollection upon lady russell's appearance soon afterwards the whole party was collected and all that remained was to marshal themselves and proceed into the concert-room and be of all the consequence in their power draw as many eyes excite as many whispers and disturb as many people as they could very very happy were both elizabeth and anne elliot as they walked in elizabeth arm in arm with miss carteret and looking on the broad back of the dowager viscountess dollywimple before her had nothing to wish for which did not seem within her reach and anne but it would be an insult to the nature of anne's felicity to draw any comparison between it and her sisters the origin of one all selfish vanity of the other all generous attachment anne saw nothing thought nothing of the brilliancy of the room her happiness was from within her eyes were bright and her cheeks glowed but she knew nothing about it she was thinking only of the last half hour and as they passed to their seats her mind took a hasty range over it his choice of subjects his expressions and still more his manner and look had been such as she could see in only one light his opinion of louisa musgrove's inferiority 
an opinion which he had seemed solicitous to give his wonder at captain benwick his feelings as to a first strong attachment sentences begun which he could not finish his half-averted eyes and more than half-expressive glance all all declared that he had a heart returning to her at least that anger resentment avoidance were no more and that they were succeeded not merely by friendship and regard but by the tenderness of the past yes some share of the tenderness of the past she could not contemplate the change as implying less he must love her these were thoughts with their attendant visions which occupied and flurried her too much to leave her any power of observation and she passed along the room without having a glimpse of him without even trying to discern him when their places were determined on and they were all properly arranged she looked round to see if he should happen to be in the same part of the room but he was not her eye could not reach him and the concert being just opening she must consent for a time to be happy in a humbler way the party was divided and disposed of on two contiguous benches and was among those on the foremost and mr elliot had manoeuvred so well with the assistance of his friend colonel wallace as to have a seat by her miss elliot surrounded by her cousins and the principal object of colonel wallace's gallantry was quite contented anne's mind was in a most favourable state for the entertainment of the evening it was just occupation enough she had feelings for the tender spirits for the gay attention of the scientific and patience for the wearisome and had never liked a concert better at least during the first act towards the close of it in the interval succeeding an italian song she explained the words of the song to mr elliot they had a concert bill between them this said she is nearly the sense or rather the meaning of the words for certainly the sense of an italian love-song must not be talked of but it is as nearly the meaning as i can give for i do not pretend to understand the language i am a very poor italian scholar yes yes i see you are i see you know nothing of the matter you have only knowledge enough of the language to translate at sight these inverted transposed curtailed italian lines into clear comprehensible elegant english you need not say anything more of your ignorance here is complete proof i will not oppose such kind politeness but i should be sorry to be examined by a real proficient i have not had the pleasure of visiting in camden place so long replied he without knowing something of miss anne elliot and i do regard her as one who is too modest for the world in general to be aware of half her accomplishments and too highly accomplished for modesty to be natural in any other woman for shame for shame this is too much flattery i forget what we are to have next turning to the bill perhaps said mr elliot speaking low i have had a longer acquaintance with your character than you are aware of indeed how so you can have been acquainted with me only since i came to bath excepting as you might hear me previously spoken of in my own family i knew you by report long before you came to bath i had heard you described by those who knew you intimately i have been acquainted with you by character many years your person your disposition accomplishments manner they were all present to me mr elliot was not disappointed in the interest he hoped to raise no one can withstand the charm of such a mystery to have been described long ago to a recent acquaintance by nameless people is irresistible and anne was all curiosity she wondered and questioned him eagerly but in vain he delighted in being asked but he would not tell 
no no some time or other perhaps but not now he would mention no names now but such he could assure her had been the fact he had many years ago received such a description of miss anne elliot as had inspired him with the highest idea of her merit and excited the warmest curiosity to know her and could not think of no one so likely to have spoken with partiality of her many years ago as the mr wentworth of montford captain wentworth's brother he might have been in mr elliot's company but she had not courage to ask the question the name of anne elliot said he has long had an interesting sound to me very long has it possessed a charm over my fancy and if i dared i would breathe my wishes that the name might never change such she believed were his words but scarcely had she received their sound than her attention was caught by other sounds immediately behind her which rendered everything else trivial her father and lady dalywimple were speaking a well-looking man said sir walter a very well-looking man a very fine young man indeed said lady dalywimple more air than one often sees in bath irish i dare say no i just know his name a bowing acquaintance wentworth captain wentworth of the navy his sister married my tenant in somersetshire the croft who rents kellynich before sir walter had reached this point anne's eyes had caught the right direction and distinguished captain wentworth standing among a cluster of men at a little distance as her eyes fell on him his seemed to be withdrawn from her it had that appearance it seemed as if she had been one moment too late and as long as she dared observe he did not look again but the performance was recommencing and she was forced to seem to restore her attention to the orchestra and look straight forward when she could give another glance he had moved away he could not have come nearer to her if he would she was so surrounded and shut in but she would rather have caught his eye mr elliot's speech too distressed her she had no longer any inclination to talk to him she wished him not so near her the first act was over now she hoped for some beneficial change and after a period of nothing saying amongst the party some of them did decide on going in quest of tea anne was one of the few who did not choose to move she remained in her seat and so did lady russell but she had the pleasure of getting rid of mr elliot and she did not mean whatever she might feel on lady russell's account to shrink from conversation with captain wentworth if he gave her the opportunity she was persuaded by lady russell's countenance that she had seen him he did not come however and sometimes fancied she discerned him at a distance but he never came the anxious interval wore away unproductively the others returned the room filled again benches were reclaimed and repossessed and another hour of pleasure or of penance was to be sat out another hour of music was to give delight or the gapes as real or affected taste for it prevailed to anne it chiefly wore the prospect of an hour of agitation she could not quit that room in peace without seeing captain wentworth once more without the interchange of one friendly look in resettling themselves there were now many changes the result of which was favorable for her colonel wallace declined sitting down again and mr elliot was invited by elizabeth and miss carteret in a manner not to be refused to sit between them and by some other removals and a little scheming of her own anne was enabled to place herself much nearer the end of the bench than she had been before much more within reach of a passer-by she could not do so without comparing herself with miss laurels the inimitable miss laurels but still she did it and not with much happier effect though by what seemed prosperity in the shape of an early abdication in her next neighbours 
she found herself at the very end of the bench before the concert closed such was her situation with a vacant space at hand when captain wentworth was again in sight she saw him not far off he saw her too yet he looked grave and seemed irresolute and only by very slow degrees came at last near enough to speak to her she felt that something must be the matter the change was indubitable the difference between his present air and what had been in the octagon room was strikingly great why was it she thought of her father of lady russell could there have been any unpleasant glances he began by speaking of the concert gravely more like the captain wentworth of uppercross owned himself disappointed had expected singing and in short must confess that he should not be sorry when it was over anne replied and spoke in defence of the performance so well and yet in allowance for his feelings so pleasantly that his countenance improved and he replied again with almost a smile they talked for a few minutes more the improvement held he even looked down towards the bench as if he saw a place on it well worth occupying when at that moment a touch on her shoulder obliged anne to turn round it came from mr elliot he begged her pardon but she must be applied to to explain italian again miss carteret was very anxious to have a general idea of what was next to be sung anne could not refuse but never had she sacrificed to politeness with a more suffering spirit a few minutes though as few as possible were inevitably consumed and when her own mistress again when able to turn and look as she had done before she found herself accosted by captain wentworth in a reserved yet hurried sort of farewell he must wish her good-night he was going he should get home as fast as he could is not this song worth staying for said anne suddenly struck by an idea which made her yet more anxious to be encouraging no he replied impressively there is nothing worth my staying for and he was gone directly jealousy of mr elliot it was the only intelligible motive captain wentworth jealous of her affection could she have believed it a week ago three hours ago for a moment the gratification was exquisite but alas there were very different thoughts to succeed how was such jealousy to be quieted how was the truth to reach him how in all the peculiar disadvantages of their respective situations would he ever learn of her real sentiments it was misery to think of mr elliot's attentions their evil was incalculable End of chapter twenty